If someone broke a leg, caught the flu, or suffered from chronic pain, we wouldn't laugh or make light of the situation. Those who are physically injured, ill, or handicapped are treated with respect and sympathy by society. So, why do we think it's okay to make fun of mental illness? Oh my god, those colors do not match. You're bothering my OCD. Can you please focus and stop being so ADHD? Ugh, this is so depressing. He hasn't texted all day. I honestly want to kill myself. Admittedly, our understanding of mental illness has matured greatly since the days of just dismissively throwing people with psychiatric disorders into dysfunctional madhouses and loony bins. But we have a long way to go before the general public takes mental illness as seriously as they do physical ones. Mental health is a topic that inherently lives in an uncertain gray area. To determine what is insane, we first must define what it means to be sane, which, of course, is no easy task. The National Comorbidity Survey found that by the time modern Americans reach young adulthood, around 18 to 29 years old, they have already qualified for at least one mental illness within their life. I was diagnosed by my doctor when I was like in the ninth grade with anxiety, and then I was diagnosed with depression like four years ago. I do have experience with it, not personally. However, uh, people that I'm close to, I have seen um, depression and anxiety up close, um, panic attacks, I, I've seen all of that. I think even in the work setting here, like we interact with a lot of people who do explicitly have like anxiety, depression, and they state that very clearly. Um, but like through like friends or family or whomever, those are the more common ones that I can speak to. I've had some friends with mental illness. I have questioned if a few of my family members have mental illness. But my experience with them is really just in talking with them if they want to talk about it and listening to them if they want, yeah, if they want to talk about it. The only experience I've had with mental illness was a cousin of mine who um, has ADHD. She um, she would be very hyper whenever she would take a medicine. She'd be calmer, and um, usually she can be more focused. But for the most part, she has like a really bad attention span. My roommate, she had to medically withdraw from the semester because she had pan she was having panic attacks. And after talking with her mom, I can definitely see why she would have these. So if so many people qualify. Why do we think it's such an anomaly? And why do we treat it with stigma? These staggering statistics show that psychiatric problems are not the anomaly we too often think of them as. If you don't suffer from a mental illness, chances are someone close to you does. So why are we so afraid to talk about this subject? One huge problem that stems from the public's lack of education on this topic is that mental problems and their symptoms are often blamed on the victim. As the epidemic of mental health issues continues to spread, we need to work towards a better understanding of the control, or lack thereof, that victims of mental illnesses have over their conditions. People with anxiety or depression are often told to just get over it or suck it up, but is this really a plausible solution? I think a lot of people think that people suffering with mental illness have the power to control it and they have the power to kind of just shut it off and make it go away. But 
I don't really understand this logic because if people did have this power, I don't think anyone would be suffering from depression or anxiety or any illness that disrupts their everyday life. What I do find interesting is that when people think about diseases like schizophrenia or bipolar disorder or ADHD, they won't necessarily think that these people have control over it because these illnesses are advertised to be highly medicated in order for the person to live a normal life. So when it comes to these illnesses, I think a lot of people will think that people don't have control. But when it comes to things like anxiety and depression, they see that a lot of people cope with it without medication. So they think it's made up or people can easily stop worrying and get rid of their anxiety or just be happy and go do something fun and be rid of their depression, which isn't true, and I don't think people have that kind of control that others who aren't suffering from mental illness think they have. In my head, I kind of think there's a little bit less of an element of control with what that person's experiencing, and depending on depending on what it is, whether it's something like large scale, small scale, because everybody, like either instinctually or whether it's being parroted back to them, um, knows like what mechanisms they can use to cope, what they can use to help, you know, themselves or other people. Like everybody knows because it's advertised, it's told like you should go to therapy, you should talk to someone. But the biggest hurdle I think is actually accomplishing that or making strides to it or like getting out of bed in the morning to like even get to that appointment and do those different things because I think mental illness sort of takes away the ability to do those basic things that we kind of take for granted or it makes those things way more difficult to accomplish so then I think as a result you feel even worse about yourself because you couldn't do something like that like I couldn't get out of bed for four days straight or I couldn't pick up the phone and call a hotline or you know but again I think like people have the ability to make choices, people have the ability to make decisions, people have the ability to make those actions. But I think mental illness makes things harder for people. And that is an element of control. I mean, it's um called an illness for a reason. It's it's an illness. It's not something someone chose to have. It's not something they can just get over just like that. It's not a trend. Um and I think if more people looked at it as an illness, a lot of the stigmas would go away. I don't think that they have any control over their illness. Uh, otherwise, it wouldn't be an illness. I, I do believe in willpower. I do believe in um, you know, the, the power of positive thought. However, if it wasn't an illness, I mean, that'd be one thing, but it is. So I, I don't believe that on their own people are capable a complex interplay of our biology and our environment determines if and how individuals develop a mental disorder. For instance, one person may suffer from lifelong anxiety due to the genetic influence of an unlucky family history. But someone else may live a healthy and happy life relatively free from anxiety until they go through a particularly stressful period in their life, such as the transition from high school to college. This huge lifestyle change could trigger anxiety or even depression in a previously mentally stable person. There is really no fail-safe method to control the onset of mental illness. 
And as for the symptoms, victims of disorders such as OCD and depression don't have much say in what intrusive thoughts bother them at any given moment. The words obsessive and compulsive should be an indicator of how impossibly difficult it is to control the mind when an illness has, has infested it. Perhaps if those who chastise the mentally ill by telling them to just get over it had to live a day in their life, they would understand just how frustrating that lack of control can be. Many psychologists would argue that a mental illness is synonymous with a brain disorder. Maybe if this small change of wording was implemented on a societal scale, it would help the public treat psychological ailments more seriously as mental conditions, and realize that mental illnesses are not so different from physical ones. I have genuinely seen mental illnesses as worse, just kind of the same reasoning. I mean, you can't see it, you can't feel it. It's just, it solely lies in the person. It lies in their ability to um, communicate what is going on, anything physical. It can be assessed with a, from another person. Um, but I do think, though, that society views it in the opposite way, that anything physical is going to be much more severe than anything mental. And I think kind of for the same reasons, because it's believed that physical is done by other things um, outside of the body work internal and so why can't it just be solved internally i, I mean I, I i fully like think that society treats it very very differently um oh god you broke your wrist go to the doctor and it's it's you can see it you can experience it you it's palpable but mental illness isn't Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of it goes undiscovered. I think a lot of it goes, like, undisclosed, as it should be. Um, but there's, like, a whole other element of just not knowing versus if it's something physical, you can see it, you can acknowledge it, and you can, you know, create accommodations for it. Mm -hmm. uh, but with mental illness, it's harder because not everyone's making, like, the same strides that they do with physical illness and I think the resources are a lot less available for people for mental illness than physical there even though I think they should sort of have certain elements of them being the same in terms of accessibility and availability for people like I think UF is a pretty relevant example like we have Shans here it's bustling I mean granted not everyone has health insurance but like you know you have way more access to go and see a doctor and do that versus here on campus for students you have a like four month waiting period to just see a counselor and I think it's it makes it harder for people to address issues and I think it creates another barrier so I think mental illness has more barriers um, for people to seek help so mm -hmm. and it's not immediately addressed if something's bothering you and it's physical you'll people tend to get that addressed more quickly than if it's something that it's mental and you can put it off because it's not visible and people can't see it and people don't acknowledge it. 
I think people take physical illness much more seriously than they take mental illness simply because they can see someone's pain. You know, they can see someone being hurt in front of them, but they can't look into someone's mind and read their thoughts and see how this person is being hurt by their mental illness. And I definitely think that both should be taken seriously because they're both affecting your life and they're both, you know, making your life harder. Just because you can't see someone's mental illness doesn't mean it's not there. It doesn't mean it's not hurting them every day. And it doesn't mean that they don't need help. And the sad thing is, you know, you can easily go and find a doctor and get everything checked out physically. But when you have depression or anxiety and you want to seek help and go to therapy for it, it's really hard to find a therapist to actually, you know, treat you or to have it covered by your insurance. It's really hard to find that, which is a perfect example of how society treats physical illness as something that's way more important than mental health. And I think health in general should be taken very seriously. I think what a lot of people don't realize is that mental illnesses can cause some physical ailments. People with anxiety have racing heartbeats and they have shortness of breath. You're not only having to deal with the things inside your head and the constant worry and fear, you're now also having to deal with physical things that are happening to your body as a result of those thoughts. So I definitely think both of these should be treated with the same respect and should be taken seriously. I believe mental illness and physical illness kind of go hand in hand. I, I believe in the same way someone can be unfit physically, they can also be unfit uh, mentally. Um, obviously they're very different because they affect the body in very different ways and like a lot of times physical illnesses are a lot more like a lot easier to spot and a lot easier to like explain because mm -hmm. like it's like oh this thing is wrong with my leg saying like no I I can't get over this depression or I cannot sleep like it cannot happen like it's very it's not something people understand unless they've gone through it or they've seen someone close to them have gone through it. I think they're very similar in the fact that like you don't really choose for these things to happen. It's just something that happens and it's not really, it's out of your control. Um, but like, I think they're very similar in the, like I think, they're, think they're different in the fact that like people don't understand it or cope with it as well almost. I, I believe that mental illness and physical illness um are the same when it comes to the illness aspect. Obviously, a mental illness cannot be anywhere near to the same degree as a physical illness, um, but mental illnesses can affect your physical composition. They can affect the way that you handle your day-to-day -day life in the same way that a broken leg affects your ability to walk. So I believe that the two have more in common than we would be willing to, to give way to. Both often stem from causes outside the patient's control, and both can be debilitating to a person's quality of life if not properly treated. The stigma that has surrounded mental health is nothing new. Those with mental disorders have long been regarded as outliers in our society. But why is this? I think there are a ton of stigmas around mental illnesses, and this is really sad because you have all these people out there struggling with their mental health and they're not able to find help because seeing a therapist is often seen as a sign of weakness which is terrible 
you wouldn't tell someone who is going to a doctor to fix their broken bone that they're weak. So why are we telling people who are seeking therapy to fix their mental health that they're weak? It's not right. You don't see as many people coming out and talking about their mental illnesses and saying they have depression or anxiety and things like that because that's just not something people really talk about. I think lately a lot of more people have been discussing it, which is great, but it's not as discussed as I think it should be, which is why there's still so much stigma around it. I think there are a ton of stigmas for like every single thing. Um, I think with like insomnia, it's a lot of like, that's not a real disease. Like, come on, chill out. You just sleep more. Like that's like a lot of people look at it as like a, you're choosing to stay up late, which is absurd. Um, I think it's kind of the same with depression. A lot of times people just see it as like, you're just sad. Like everyone gets sad sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, I think with eating disorders, it can be a lot more like, I don't want to say more devastating because I don't think you can measure that sort of thing, but I think it can be like extremely hurtful because a lot of people will look at it as like an easy choice. Like you just decide to eat more. Like it's, it's simple. Like they think it's like this simple thing. Um, and then of course there's the like more serious mental illnesses like schizophrenia and other schizophrenic disorders um, where it's a lot of just like, oh, well, they're just crazy. So I think for every mental illness, there are like a plethora of stigmas around it. I'm sure a lot of people just um, don't really understand it. And I think there are probably some people who don't really believe it's a real thing, you know, because maybe you can't point exactly where in the brain this thing is taking place or maybe you you just don't understand it i i definitely um definitely makes me think about like discussions on depression and where people will get a diagnosis saying yes you are clinically depressed and the people around them still try to cheer them up in like a a classic kind of hey let's go to the park kind of way like I think people just don't understand it and because they don't understand it. They become afraid of it because the people who they know who have it don't react to their reacting uh, towards it because they people who don't have a mental illness will never experience the same things, the same mental phenomena that take place. They won't experience it. Therefore, they'll never understand it. I think more so the stigmas that people experience with mental illness. Um, I think it's gotten better in terms of people speaking about it, people acknowledging it, people attempting to, you know, create resources or advertise resources more for people. Mm -hmm. um, Because I think now it's more prevalent or even more people are coming to terms with either their own or they're speaking about it. The stigmas I can think of is people trying to speak for people when they shouldn't. So, like, again, if somebody has an episode and people are just like, that person's crazy. Just, like, blanket statement. Mm -hmm. So saying things along those lines where a person may come across as unreasonable or they shouldn't, they don't, they shouldn't be dealt with or... You know, you kind of make your own assumptions on a person. So if it's somebody that you know, 
yes, they have this, this, and this, then you can almost sort of give yourself reasoning behind their actions. But if some, if it's someone that you don't know, you're auto, automatically going to make these assumptions about them, and then they're usually going to be bad assumptions. Mm. Like, oh, don't talk to that homeless person. He's crazy. Because he is mumbling to himself, but he could have something, you know, and you just don't know that. I think those sort of stigmas come with it. Because not everyone should be expected to have, like, a tattoo on their head that says, I have anxiety, treat me differently. Like, it, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be like that, but I think people should be cognizant of that. So I think the stigmas is what other people would think of you or how other people will label you. I feel like a lot of people think people with mental illnesses are, like, less well-off. Like, they, they're they at a disadvantage. They might be labeled for their disease or their condition rather than as in a human being or a person that's dealing with this disease or condition like a lot of people in general Mm -hmm. will be like oh that person is schizophrenic rather than saying oh that's a person who's dealing with schizophrenia a stigma that comes to mind when you think of mental illness is that people think that they're fake And that people are faking it because there's no outward symptoms. And so they're just, they, people just write it off as something that's not real and something that people don't go through. They're just being overdramatic. And I really think that that's very hurtful to the people who do have mental illnesses. And I think that because they think it's fake and not real, then it's not worth treating. It's not worth having the people trained in order to treat mental illness. I don't think that stigma has affected me because I'm pretty private about my mental illness. Not many people know about it, which I feel like is kind of sad. I feel like I wish I could share it more, but I just prefer not to. Um, I guess other stigmas that people deal with is just maybe, especially since it's mental and not physical, that you can just be making it up or that it's not as serious as a physical ailment. Uh, The stigmas that come to mind, uh, I I just think of the big issue that I see is self-diagnosis and the way that people just kind of jump onto a mental illness. And uh, the, the two extremes are people either think that everyone in some way has a degree of mental illness or that mental illness is false and that it doesn't exist and it's a lie and I I believe that both of those are untrue. Remember Rosemary Kennedy, the eldest Kennedy daughter? Probably not, because she was deemed slower than her prominent siblings and experienced mental disabilities and behavioral problems. Her father shielded her from the public eye and even arranged for a lobotomy to be performed. This lobotomy went wrong and she was left permanently incapacitated. Less than perfect mental health and a picture-perfect family was not acceptable due to the stigma that surrounded it. This is just one example of the knee-jerk reaction that has surrounded mental health for decades. While the days of lunatic asylums and dark dungeons are thankfully behind us, it could be argued that the stigma surrounding mental health has only changed form over time. As late as the 1950s, Japan maintained that laws that allowed for the forced sterilization of the feeble-minded. Practices like these are peppered throughout our history, perpetuating the idea that the mentally ill are lesser and a burden to our society. These practices have made a paradigm shift even more difficult to work towards. 
How do we come back from this? How do we make a complete 180 as a society? And how long will it take? In 2001, the World Health Organization reported that an estimated 25% of the worldwide population is affected by a mental illness or a behavioral disorder at some time during their lives. If so many people are affected by mental illness, why does this stigma still exist? Public Policy When you become physically sick, maybe with the flu or with an infection, you expect most insurance policies to cover or help pay for your doctor's visits and medications, right? I mean, that physical illness was of no fault of your own. But this approach does not always apply to mental illness. While public policy has thankfully progressed since the days of shackling, mistreating, and otherwise just generally forgetting about the mentally ill, there are still improvements to be made within the system. My understanding of public policy is severely lacking. Um, but I would say that from my lack of understanding and lack of information, I would probably say that if my understanding is that terrible, does that mean that we're doing a great job? Yeah. I don't know. Could that be a reflection of it? I don't know. Mm. But I do know that based on the demand or based on the amount of people who really need counseling, help, therapy, resources, whatever it is, I know we're not meeting that need or meeting that demand. I do think that there has been a rise in mental illness diagnoses because it's become slightly more normalized and there's not as much stigma as there has been in the past, even though there is still stigma about it. People aren't as afraid to be diagnosed with a mental illness because they're, it's not seen as if I have a mental illness, that just means that I'm crazy. So, and I also think that because the it's been more openly researched in the last two few decades that it's lessened the stigma about it. So people have felt more comfortable with being diagnosed and talking about it. It's been normalized to a certain extent. It's been normalized to like go to a therapist and like seek help for things. Um, I think that's been fair. And then I think to a certain extent, it's sort of like, there's an outlet now. Organizations like Mental Health America work to keep people out of juvenile and criminal justice systems, supporting people with services and eliminating discriminatory practices and punishments. The news has become full of headlines, like the one covering the mentally ill Parkland shooter. But how do we stop these heinous acts before they're committed? Timely and accurate mental health screening and evaluation are critical in successfully diverting individuals from the criminal justice system. Organizations like Mental Health America, otherwise known as MHA, work toward improvements in this area. We've all heard the phrase, if you see something, say something. In the case of the Parkland shooting, many came forth after the fact with stories of countless red flags. Without proper mental health education, though, we're left at a disadvantage. How can we say something if we don't know what we're looking for? This brings us to the topic of romantization of depression and the role that media has to play in it. So certain television shows or certain books or things where a person might relate to it and be like, I might have this. I experience the same thing. Or if it's something like depression and anxiety, um, they might 
see those similarities and then be like, oh, I might have this and then potentially go to be diagnosed. But I also think it's everybody talking about it and everyone finally having a way to describe what it is that they're feeling or experiencing. We do have all these circumstances happening where we have to address it, whether it's with like mass shootings or, you know, a rise in suicides or something happening locally where somebody kills himself and it sends another shockwave of people trying to retroactively mm-hmm. be like, this is what we do when this sort of situation happens. Um, I think that also has a lot to do with it where things like, also things like that are also more publicized. So people are like, how could this happen? And then it's mental illness. Yeah, they jump to that real quick. They jump to that real quick. Um, where sometimes it's very bad because it creates more stigma for people with mental illnesses where, oh great, you have X, Y, Z, you're going to be a serial killer or a mass shooter or something like that because that's what the news is saying that this person had versus, um, you know, there's like these characters who have like autism on television shows or like they're a person who has like depression but they film you know episodes of him going to counseling and it's like cute and like funny and relatable I think it varies I think there are certain elements of like media I think there's certain elements of media potentially genetics that could be a really big stretch but I think it's also people um like learning about these things and then relating to them and then either seeking help or getting that help. I think when it is portrayed in the media, it focuses on major illnesses. So, I mean, people making um, depression warnings or bipolar disorder, but it still has a negative connotation, better understanding and more acceptance of mental illness, I mean, diagnoses from the general public, Um, because there is a long history of people ignoring mental illnesses or not believing them, and now there's so much more push from, I think, younger generations especially saying that these things are real, these things are things that need to be checked out. And so diagnoses have climbed from the acceptance, but also people being more willing to go to someone to, who is able to diagnose them. They depict it in a in a way where people see it as it's a problem. Like for mass shootings, um, typically they like to say, media says this person committed uh, gun violence because he was mentally ill. Because this guy was mentally ill, this, um, this, that's why there were these mass shootings. That's mm-hmm. why he committed like, gun violence. Um, so it kind of led to people saying, like, oh, if someone's mentally ill, then they could be violent, mm-hmm. um, and that could be a problem. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's the way, like, the news media portrays it. Um, 
but with like the entertainment, I think mm -hmm. it, it brings awareness to it. I think it is depicted somewhat inaccurately. They either leave out a lot of things with certain mental illnesses and, or they pick out the worst possible scenarios of mental illnesses. And if that's what people are exposed to, then they don't think that they have this mental illness or they don't think to get it checked out because they're not as bad as they saw that person on TV, that character on TV. And um, so they don't get the treatment that they need, even though they do need it because it's not as extreme as what is seen on TV. And I think with eating disorders being depicted in media, I think they depict a culture around eating disorders that's not necessarily true. They always say that it's because of an industry that they're having an eating disorder and they need their body to look a certain way because of a job or which can happen. But I think a lot, they don't really go into the dysmorphia, the body dysmorphia that comes along with eating disorders and people thinking that even though they are healthy, that they are overweight. And so I think that that has affected the stigmas that are associated with mental illness and eating disorders. And I think it affects the people who have these mental illnesses in a negative way because they, they see it portrayed in a way that's not accurate to how they may be feeling. And I do think that self-diagnosing is an issue because when people self-diagnose, they don't always have all of the correct information when diagnosing. And um, they might think that they have a certain mental illness, even though they don't, because they've seen things on in the media about mental illnesses, and they might think that it's something that they suffer with, even though it's it might not be. It might be something completely different that they're suffering with. So a lot of shows, like TV shows, like comedies, um, drama, soap operas, all of them will depict mental illness as like this weird thing that never happens to anyone or like it's just a plot device. Like, oh, here's this right. random side character and like, oh no, they're insane. Like, and that's pretty much all you get is this weird like, oh, they're weird. And then they just throw out a random mental illness to tag on and that's, that's their inclusive method. Um, and a lot of times in those shows I find that the mental illness is represented really poorly. Um, a lot of times, like, the qualities don't match the mental illness they're saying this person has. And then I think it's also detrimental in, like, so many, like, detective shows. The antagonist is, like, a psychotic killer and a psychopath and, like, yeah. all these, like, terms that people just throw around without knowing the definition. And because they don't know the definition, like they're using the terms to describe people who don't necessarily suffer from any sort of mental illness and they're just horrible people. Um, and the, when you have so many crime shows constantly using like quote unquote mentally ill characters as antagonists, it very much provides this picture of like a constantly violent mentally ill people and like they can never be trusted and you have to lock them up and they need to be like in an institution all the time and like 
all of these things that aren't necessarily true and especially aren't true for every single mental illness. Mental illness is very widely depicted in media. Um, it's actually not a new thing. Um, even in our college classes and our high school classes, people, um, when we dissect famous literature, we, we often diagnose characters with mental illnesses or with some sort of uh, issue in the brain. Uh, but when it comes, it's almost been romanticized by the media. There's always some character who is struggling with something and they overcome that mental illness. They overcome depression and they overcome anxiety. Um, and even what, what I don't like is that uh, introvertism is often depicted as a problem, which it's not. Uh, eating disorders are depicted, um, I feel like they've been less joked about in recent years just due to the uh, political correctness of society lately. Uh, but I think the way that Hollywood and the way that uh, media d depicts these mental illnesses almost hurts more than it helps. Um, it does bring attention. However, it romanticizes these things in a way that brings positive attention to these things and causes people to self-diagnose themselves, which is not healthy, um, and, and puts it in a way that these things can be seen as a tool or as a help or as okay when the reality is that no illness of any kind is ever okay. I think that the rise of diagnosis for mental illness is due to the fact that people study a lot more of the brain and with the issues that our society has had since the 90s and the rise of of all of these um, these acts of terror and things like that, people begin to study the way that humans think and people begin to realize that uh, there are often things that contribute to that in the brain and there are often things that we can't just chalk up to someone being evil. Because of the way media has portrayed mental illness and, and things like that, that people, uh, because life imitates art, want to have something. They want that drama in their life. They want they want to be able to overcome something in a lot of cases, and so that people self-diagnose themselves because they're sad. They, they tell themselves they have depression, and they, they just go around romanticizing that thought and believing that they can do that. I think that there are people who are very unqualified that go to the internet or they go to um, their friends or they go to the media and see little things that they have in common with, with characters or with public figures and in order to more align themselves with that character, they, they often put themselves in that category when the truth is that they don't have a mental illness. They're just convincing themselves that they do in order to gain attention or points or some kind of approval or some kind of self-worth in that, and it's false. I think that young adult books especially have romanticized mental illness. I think... And then obviously those movies sometimes get made. I mean, those books get made into movies and um, even movies. I do think it is romanticized. So if you're like a social media influencer who's lying about having depression and anxiety mm -hmm. on her, you know, first class flights and just to mm -hmm. gain like follow, there are certain elements of that where mm -hmm you're capitalizing on something because you know so many people have it or experience or you're trying to like channel an audience through it. I think there's a ton of elements of that. Mm -hmm. 
which then creates a lot of doubt for people who actually do have it, yeah. misportrays it for people who actually do have it, and creates a, like a whole lot of conundrums about it. Um, and then recently, you have celebrities who are like, oh yes, I have depression, oh yes, I'm bipolar, like Kanye West, like, you know, you have all these people yeah. who are <laughs> saying that, like finally coming to terms with it, but if it was like 10, 15 years ago, you wouldn't hear a peep about it, and you yeah. didn't hear a peep about it then. Mm-hmm. So why are people talking about it now? Not to say that, you yeah. know, they have to announce it to anyone, but because there's plenty of people who don't, but if you have that platform, why didn't you use it before? You know, it brings a lot of questions into it, I think. Because yeah. um, the cynical person in me always worries about people bringing it up or saying that they have it because it is trendy or it's because it creates almost leeway or explanations for them like even in the setting that we work in here today again a lot of media a lot of television a lot of those things it is romanticized or if it is mental illness and it's a damaging form of mental illness or if somebody's like abusive but like oh he's moody and he's handsome like and it's okay yeah and it's not okay that person needs help you know but the reality is nobody wants to like go through or discuss like the actual nitty-gritty of it mm-hmm. it's better to kind of like sweep it aside and not get into like oh yeah like we went to therapy we did, like you know nobody wants to touch on that stuff because it ruins the facade of what something is or what they think it is the media has drastically changed the way we see mental disorders but it's not always for the best what if i were to tell you that there is a collection of blogs on tumblr dedicated solely to idolizing and swooning over school shooters and mass murderers it's true killers like nicholas cruz the parkland school shooter serial killer ted bundy and even the notorious Columbine shooters have garnered the attention of communities of young girls who crush and fangirl over these villains as if they were celebrities. This misguided infatuation is certainly disturbing. But if we take a closer look at how movies and television often portray people with mental illnesses, it becomes a little easier to understand what twisted delusions are going on in the minds of these young girls. All too often, Mentally unstable or depressed characters are depicted as mysterious but alluring, a sort of beautiful disaster. Think about the abusive relationship depicted between the Joker and Harley Quinn in the wildly popular movie Suicide Squad. Countless teen girls call this unhealthy example of love a goal, even though the Joker tortures Harley to the point of insanity and repeatedly uses her for his own gain. The viral Netflix hit 13 Reasons Why featured a teenage boy's infatuation and love for a depressed girl who turned her own suicide into a sort of revenge, ruining her classmates' lives with tapes that blamed them for her death. Even one of the most popular animes of all time, Death Note, centers on a desirable young loner who develops a god complex and takes it upon himself to execute all people he deems evil. See a trend here? If young girls are conditioned to find these characters concerning quirks charming, then it doesn't seem far-fetched that they would seek out a real-life version of these fictional personas. While the media certainly should tackle the topic of mental illness without demonizing it, it is likely that the tendency of movies and television 
to portray psychologically unstable characters as misunderstood and different, and in need of a valiant hero to save them from themselves, encourages young and impressionable audiences to crush on real-life monsters. Media can also have harmful psychological effects when it comes to unintentionally promoting eating disorders. Just by scrolling through their social media feed, young girls are flooded with a barrage of ever-thinning Instagram models, Photoshop Kardashians with surgically enhanced disproportionate features, and advertisements for the latest fad diet or weight loss tea. Anorexia and bulimia are mental disorders with serious physical ramifications. And though they have both become prevalent in accordance with the increasingly unrealistic body standards placed on women and men by media. Although the internet can be a great tool for learning about health and fitness, hashtags like hashtag ProAna, which stands for ProAnorexia, and hashtag Thinspiration demonstrate the consequences of media's obsession with achieving, quote, the perfect body. So I know that we've just thrown a lot of information at you. So the question becomes, what now? What are the big takeaways from this discussion? First, we want to stress that mental health should not be placed on a lower rung of importance than physical health. As suicide rates rise and depression becomes the norm rather than the exception for many people, it becomes increasingly important to understand mental illness and work to help those who suffer from it. Knowing how to recognize signs of depression, for instance, could mean the difference between cutting off a friend who has grown distant and reaching out to them to lend love and support. We as a society must work to learn more about possible causes and treatments for mental illness, but every individual can help in a small way, simply by being there for friends with mental disorders. When a celebrity commits suicide or is revealed to suffer from a psychological condition, everyone shouts their support and sympathy. Let's show this same compassion to people in our own lives who may be afflicted with mental illness.